The following has been a Shirt Off Your Back production. ShirtOffYourBackAZ.com Hello and welcome to the Shirt Off Your Back podcast where we always adhere to tradition. So coming off 4th of July weekend, I'm feeling a little bit... uh, traditional, a little bit patriotic, and I wanted to record a podcast and talk about some habits that uh, you could start developing tomorrow to help improve your life, but I also wanted to touch on something um, here at the top of the podcast on uh, overcoming unhealthy weekends, let's call it, or overcoming an unhealthy holiday. And a lot of times we think about holidays like the 4th of July and they're associated with food, right? Cookouts, barbecue, uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, things like that. And um, we tend to overeat. I tend to overeat. I did overeat on this this holiday weekend, actually. Um, gained a few LBs, as they say. Uh, but it was kind of to be expected, right? Um, and I'm working on shedding those pounds again this week. And it's not that... I gave in and I said, ah, you know what, to heck with it, it's it's 4th of July weekend, I'm just going to indulge. It was sort of a planned thing, right, where I already knew it was coming. And I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to have a few brats or a few burgers or whatever this weekend and I'm probably going to overdo it a little bit, but I was mentally, emotionally, physically prepared for it. Um, I tried to leave some room in my calorie budget for it, but um, you know, I definitely overate this weekend, let's put it that way. But I didn't think of it as starting over when it came Tuesday morning, right? And I, I started to get back in my routine, you know, get out of that out of that holiday holiday weekend mindset and get back into the routine. I didn't think of it as starting over. I thought of it as continuing. And I think a lot of times where people get tripped up when it comes to overeating on the weekends and overeating on holidays is they say something like, oh, well, I'll start over again on Monday. And once you get into that mindset, if it's if it's Friday night where that can become a problem is it's like it's Friday night. You still got to go through Saturday and Sunday. So why would you say, oh, I'll start over on Monday? Why don't you say I'll continue tomorrow or I'll continue this diet on Monday? And that way that that changes your mindset a little bit. You're not starting over and there's less of a temptation to um, sort of just indulge because you're like, ah, well, heck with it. I'm going to start over again on Monday. No, you're going to continue on Monday. So that's one way to overcome an unhealthy weekend. Another way to recover from an unhealthy weekend is to just recover and to just continue where you left off on Monday. And I know I just said that, but I'm going to frame it a little bit differently. Um, just get back into those routines. Don't overthink it. Don't think about Friday and Saturday night and Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. Don't think about it because those days are behind you, right? You can't go back and fix those days. Now, you can go back and and sort of analyze it if you feel comfortable doing so and say, you know, what What patterns do I notice? Um, Friday night, I always go out with the same friends, the same couple, the same family members, and I always have one drink too many or one slice of pizza too many or one chicken wing too many or whatever that looks like for you. 
Um, if you notice those patterns, you can begin to work through and break up those patterns. And I'm not saying you need to not hang out with those friends, but maybe go to a different restaurant or may, maybe hang out with different friends, friends that um, help you uh, make sure that your food choices and your drink choices and your life choices align with your goals. Um, but it's never going to be perfect, right? So you got to give yourself some grace and you got to give yourself some um, give yourself some room and some permission to be in progress, right? Because you're not going to be perfect. So give yourself permission to be in progress and just continue with your diet. Don't start over. Those are two simple ways to uncover uh, from an unhealthy weekend. And then one other thing, don't try to like overdo it and say, okay, well, I had a really unhealthy weekend, so I'm going to hit the gym really hard on Tuesday and I'm going to under eat, like I'm going to skip breakfast and I'm going to skip lunch. There's no need to do that. Just continue. The this, this scale will catch up. Uh, one of these days I'm, I'm working on editing this picture, but I have my my weight graph and you can see all the peaks and valleys. And I've worked in you know, some capacity of behavioral health for the better part of 10 years. So I, I understand behavior and I understand people's thought processes and thought processes. And I look at my weight graph with all those peaks and valleys and I know somebody would look at that weight graph in the short term and say, well, this isn't working. My weight just keeps going up and down. But if you see my weight graph long term, you see that the weight is trending downward over time and it's got a lot of peaks and valleys in it. It's got a lot of continuing in it and not a lot of starting over, but definitely a lot of continuing. So getting into the meat and potatoes, the main topic of the podcast, I wanted to talk about um, traditions and routines and things that you can do, uh, things that you could potentially start doing tomorrow to uh, help you live a happier and healthier life, basically, um, to help you get into a routine and get into a habit of um, doing things that setting up your day in a way that um, ensures it is a good day to ensure that the things you're doing align with your goals. So you might feel like you want to shake things up. You might feel like you want to break traditions. You might feel like you want to break the mold and forge your own path, right? I want to come up with a new way of doing things and that's fine. Trailblazers are cool. I like that, but that's only going to get you so far in life, right? you might find yourself in a rut. You might find yourself having trouble getting started, right? You might be on the opposite end of that. You might be like super eager to get started, trailblazer, wanna try new things, or you might find yourself just completely lacking motivation. You might find yourself in a rut. You're having trouble getting started. There's some pretty basic and foundational things you can start doing today, you can start doing tomorrow, that will help you build a foundation for later creativity. Only a product of tradition can truly transform or transcend tradition. I want to say that again. Only a product of tradition can truly transform or transcend tradition. So a lot of times we get people that um, they, they jump into something like a weight loss goal or they're going to start hitting the gym and there's these time tested and true methods and they're not really glamorous and they're not really fun. And you say, ah, I want to I want to do something different but you don't even know what works yet. You don't even know what traditionally has been shown to work over time if you're new to the weight loss game or if you're new to the gym. 
you don't even know what works and doesn't work yet. So how are you going to know what's new and innovative and how to change things and make things maybe work a little bit better? Because it's not saying that the things have worked over time traditionally are perfect, but they're perfect in the sense that they have traditionally worked over time, right? And if they don't, then they wouldn't be part of the mainstream anymore. They wouldn't be part of uh, tradition anymore. I think of you know traditional American values, and there's a lot of stuff in the media going on about that as far as whether or not we can or should adhere to those anymore as a society and, and what exactly those values are. And I think there's something to those values because they've generally worked over the course of time, right? and generally have lifted people up out of poverty. Has it been perfect? By no means. You know, is, are, are there perfect diet plans? Are there perfect exercise plans? No, and not every plan is gonna work for every person, but there's rules and there's directions and there's guidelines that have worked for people generally over the course of time. So this by no means is an exhaustive list. This is sort of a, I don't even know if it's like a top 10, it's like a basic 10 for me. Um, it's by no means an exhaustive list, nor is it an exclusive list. There's things that could probably be on this list that um, you might think, well, why wouldn't he include it that on there? That's pretty basic. It's simply things that I've picked up, picked up over my 10 years in behavioral health, psychology, and health and wellness industries that um, I've worked with people, and these are things that I have found have worked, um, things that people have told me have worked, things that I have studied and have read why they worked um, over the course of years and studies and um, you know surveys and things like that. So number one, wake up at the same time every day or at least close to the same time, right? It helps set the tone for the day. It builds a baseline and it's a foundation for a routine. Because if you wake up at the same time every day and do the same thing within the first hour or so of your day, the rest of your day is gonna kind of naturally fall in line. So five days a week, my day starts at 5 a.m. I sleep in on Saturdays. It's something I'm working on trying to change. Um, I'm trying to get up earlier on Saturdays and generally I'm up between 6.30 and 6.45 on Sundays. But Monday through Friday, I'm up at 5 a.m. I brew coffee, I stretch, I pour my coffee in a cup, I go outside in the back patio, and I usually read for an hour before starting my day at 6 a.m., starting my work day at 6 a.m. And I generally, especially lately, I don't care what time I get to sleep. If I don't, if I can't sleep, if I'm tossing and turning and I don't get to sleep until 12.30, I'm still up at 5 a.m. And yeah, I'm grumpy, yeah, I'm tired during the day, but with little to no excuses because I know that that 5 a.m. wake up is gonna help set my tone for the day. I sit down with a book, I sit down with a cup of coffee, I sort of um, meditate on some Bible verses and meditate on what I read for the morning. It's not always the Bible, sometimes it's a psychology book, sometimes it's a fiction book, sometimes it's a, it's more of a nonfiction book, a biography or something like that. It just depends on what I'm in the mood to read. Um, but again, it just helps set the tone for the day wake up at the same time every day. And also what that does is that actually helps you get to bed at the same time every night. Because usually by about eight or nine o'clock, I'm ready for bed and I'm in bed by 10. Um, 
ideally I'm asleep by 11, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. It doesn't always happen. It just depends. Again, sometimes I toss and turn. Sometimes I get to bed a little bit later for different reasons, but I'd say 90% of the time I'm out of bed at 5 a.m. and I'm in bed by 10 p.m. probably 90% of the time too. Number two, ask yourself why. When you're setting a goal for yourself, ask yourself why. And ask yourself why at least five times. So this might look something like, I want to lose weight. Why? So I can feel more confident. Why? Because confidence will allow me to da-da-da-da-da. And why is confidence allowing you to do that thing? Why is that appealing? Right? Why is that worth the pursuit? And so forth. Because a goal is rarely about the goal itself. It's usually about what you want to see, feel, or experience. And I've referenced this scenario before. But let's say you, you go to the beach or you go to the water park or something like that. And generally, you're, you're covered up in a towel or you're, um, you know, you're, you're less uh, prone to take your shirt off or whatever. Or, um, you know, wear that bikini bathing suit, wear that nice cute bathing suit or whatever because you don't like the way it looks on you. Um, and, and again, this isn't about fat shaming nor is it about body positivity. It's just about liking what you see in the mirror and... If you as an individual aren't happy with what you see, finding ways to adjust that and finding ways to fix that, right? But asking yourself why, especially with something like confidence. I think a lot of people don't think about why something like confidence is appealing and why it's important. Because if you can shed a few pounds and you can feel confident and you can like the way you look in a bathing suit or like the way you look with your shirt off and set those goals and adhere to that process that gets you to that point, that confidence can spill over into other areas of your life, right? You can become more confident at work. You can become more confident at home because you've followed a process and you've stuck to a system that has been working for you and you got results, right? I want to feel more confident because confidence will allow me to da-da-da-da-da. Ask yourself why at least five times. Why is this goal a goal? Because a goal is rarely about the goal, it's about what you want to see, feel, or experience. Number three, develop a system. Packed within your life are different domains, right? And each domain is sort of its own separate compartment, but it's part of a hull. So I think of it as like the hull of a ship, right? A ship has separate compartments in its hull, and it's designed that way so if one hull fills up with water, the rest of them don't and the boat can still stay afloat at least for a time, right? So it's a separate compartment, but it's part of a whole. So I break domains of life when I do my my coaching um, either online or when I do it um, face-to-face in person. I do my coaching, I break uh, goals up into separate domains, employment and career, faith and family, personal health and well-being, and like community and leisure time. And I set goals, I help people set goals or I set goals for myself in each domain, right? What's my employment goal for this month? What's my faith and family goal for this month? What's my personal health and well-being goal for this month or the next 90 days or whatever that looks like? And what goals do I have for like community and leisure time? I help set goals in each domain and you can develop your own goals by using my development plan, which I'll put a link in the show notes to it. And it's also right here on my webpage. 
you can develop your own goals using my development plan and I am going to do a video here in the very near future about how to fill out that development plan and sort of do a tutorial or a walkthrough of it. So number three, develop a system. Number four, develop goals. In each domain, develop goals. And I kind of just talked about that. These goals must align and support a broader vision for that domain, right? So if your goal doesn't align with your broader domain, you're gonna sort of feel out of sync. So to give you an example, um, let's say you have a value, a core value in your life of something like public service, right? And you have a, you know, a, a distant goal, a vision for your life of becoming a firefighter or a police officer, right? So that core value aligns with that vision. And a goal might be something like um, not only take like the firefighter test, like the entrance exam for the firefighter examination, but learn where that is and when it is and how to start that process. That might be the goal itself. Research firefighter test, right? So your goal and your um, vision and your core values, they all kind of have to align for this to work. So a career goal, just like I said, it's got to align with some kind of broader vision for your life. A person interested in travel, for example, should likely seek a career that will not only allow for travel, but perhaps even be a part of the job, right? Maybe you like traveling. Why not find a job that not only allows you to travel, but that's actually part of the job is traveling. So number four, develop goals. Number five, never assume you're above the rules. So you would be surprised how many nurses and athletes, or even former athletes that I've worked with in both clinical and non-clinical settings, right? If they need help with diet and exercise and developing healthy habits, chances are you do too. You might be proficient in one area of life and just need a little boost in other areas, right? So there's plenty of nurses that um, they work odd hours, right? They have odd routines um, or they have no routine. And nurses, a lot of times working in hospitals, they grab quick meals or they grab quick snacks and they're not always the healthiest options. So sometimes they just need a little support in, in brainstorming options. And sometimes it's just a little aha moment. It's like, you know what? I never thought of that. I never thought of bringing that kind of snack or my own food or the, this, these non-perishable items or you know, keeping some stash of snacks in the break room or something like that, you know, whatever that looks like. I don't know what it looks like to be a nurse. So when I work with people like that, that have rotating shifts or that work overnight or things like that, I don't always um, have the ins and outs of what that looks like. So I ask lots of questions and say, well, what about this? What feels realistic here? What feels sustainable here? Sometimes they tell me, no, that won't work. Sometimes they tell me, you know what, I'll try that and I'll let you know next week how that works out. Um, a lot of times it's something simple that just gets overlooked. Um, but yeah, you'd be surprised how many nurses, athletes, doctors, um, other coaches, uh, even some people that work in um, the legal setting, that they're just, they're very disciplined and they're very smart, um, but they just, again, they just need a little bit of guidance in some simple areas. Career coaches, health coaches, and personal trainers, they're all trained to work with and understand people. And I would say, people that work in that industry, most of them do and all of them should be trained to work with people rather than be a subject matter expert in one specific area, 
right? Because you can be the best personal trainer in the world and have all the knowledge, but if you don't have those people skills, people aren't necessarily going to want to listen to you, right? So if you are a coach, a trainer, a career coach, a career advisor in any of those areas, learn how to work with people. And if you're searching for guidance in those areas, find a coach or find an advisor that is good at working with people. They might not be the subject matter expert in that area. They would more assume you are, right? Because who's a better subject matter expert on your life than you? So I might have some some knowledge about health or nutrition or a psychology piece to help you understand why you think the way you think, but you are the subject matter expert in your life. You know when to ask for advice. You know when, okay, I'm in over my head, I don't know what I'm doing, I just need a concrete answer. Um, a lot of times people want, they want more of a gardener and less of a mechanic. They don't want people to come in and fix stuff for them. They want to feel empowered to fix things themselves. That's what a lot of good coaches and personal trainers can do. They can kind of give you the techniques and give you the, you know, don't do this or you're going to hurt yourself, but let's explore this area, right? And maybe less so on the personal training side, but there's definitely still definitely an element of uh, the the having the people skills that is that is necessary. Number six, have a daily step goal. So have a daily step goal, step goal, excuse me, and understand and internalize the fact that the step goal isn't about the steps themselves. At best, a step goal is going to help you burn off some calories, but it's not going to be like a huge factor in helping you lose weight. I'm not saying don't walk. Walking is very um, underrated and overlooked when it comes to health and weight loss, especially in a society that um, where we have jobs that demand we sit a lot. You know, even people that they drive a lot for a living or they have a long commute, you're sitting a good part of your day. So walking is not going to be a huge factor. You're not going to burn thousands thousands of calories walking, um, but it's going to make a difference for sure. Um, it's going to help you lose weight. It's going to help you build a little bit of muscle. Um, the step goal is more about what happens to you in your brain when you set and achieve a goal, right? So if you say, I'm going to get 10,000 steps every day this week and you do it, that's going to feel good. Not only is that going to feel good, <coughs> excuse me, not only is that going to feel good, that's going to give you a chance to look back and say, okay, what worked? Why was I able to achieve that goal this week? Why was I able to achieve that goal every day? And can I replicate that? So what I do is generally at the 50 of every hour, I try to get up from my desk and I pace around the house for 10 minutes. Um, if it's a nice day, I might go for a walk down the street, but you know, I'll just do a couple laps around the house, around the living room, around the kitchen for like 10 minutes. And generally, I can get about a thousand steps in 10 minutes. And then at the top of every hour, I come back to my desk and I start working again. And I have a routine of the things I jump into when I get back to my desk. So I try to follow that routine as closely as I can every day. Now, I might have a meeting or something that'll interrupt that. Um, I might get sidetracked with a little project and um, forget to go right at the 50. And I'll go walk at the top of the hour and come back at, at you know, the 10 after of every hour. But Generally, it's about at the 50 of every hour. Number seven, sun in the morning, moon at night. See the sun first thing in the morning and see the moon at night. 
because we spend so much time indoors with artificial light. I mean, I got artificial light above my head and next to me on my green screen and I got my computer in my face and my phone over here to my right. And we have so much artificial light in our lives that I don't think our brains and our bodies even always know what time it is. So part of my routine, like I said, is getting up at 5 a.m. and reading, but I go and sit on the back patio. And the sun's kind of just coming up around 5 a.m. this time of year. So even that 30 minutes to an hour of sunlight first thing in the morning before I do anything else. And generally I'll go step outside at night for a little bit. 30 minutes of, of some moonlight at night it sort of just helps with circadian rhythm and helps remind you that, hey, it's morning. Hey, it's night. Time to wake up. Time to start your day. Time to wind down. Time to go to sleep. Too much artificial light, not enough natural light. We need to get more natural light. Get about 30 minutes to an hour of sun in the morning if you can and 30 minutes to an hour of moonlight at night if you can. Depending on the weather, depending on where you live, I know it's not always going to work. But for me, it helps, and I think it's helped um, some people I've worked with too. That they thought, you know, I never thought just getting some sunlight would would help me feel better. But it's amazing what what sunlight can do. Number eight: avoid fortune telling. So saying things like "I will never" or "I will always," right? We're taught not to say things like that because those are thought distortions and are known as fortune telling statements. These have a way of becoming self-fulfilling prophecies. Um, generally, they're rooted in some core beliefs, right? I'll always be overweight. I'll never be that person that goes to the gym. Um, really, always or never, like you can tell the future, unseat those core beliefs and change fortune-telling statements to something more constructive. I can't do this yet, right? In coaching, there's this phrase, the power of yet. I can't do this yet means that implies that's something you're going to work on and that implies that that's something you might be able to do in the future. That's way better than saying I'll never be able to do that. Right? Because then if you try and you fail, at least you give yourself an opportunity to learn something along the way. Let's say you set a, a weight loss goal, I want to lose 10 pounds and you lose 7 and you're like, "Oh, I failed." Dude, you lost 7 pounds. What do you mean you failed? You lost 7 pounds. You lost 7 out of 10. That's 70%. That's a C. C's get degrees, man. Or you might say something like, how might, I, how might I go about achieving this? Achieving this? How can I reach that goal? Because then you can start to develop a plan and have those generative moments that I've talked about in other, other podcast episodes, those episodes where you start to brainstorm solutions and get excited and say, you know what? I think I can do this. Avoid fortune telling. Don't say things like always or never. I will never. I will always. Avoid those thought distortions. Stop being a fortune teller. Number nine, don't assume you're right. Be wise enough to stick what works for you, but humble enough to listen to opposing ideas. If you think you want to go one direction with a project or a plan, maybe ask for feedback, right? And be open to being wrong. Let those opposing ideas enhance your own position rather than detract. So let's say you want to do keto or you want to be vegan, or you want to be vegetarian. Don't let anybody talk you out of it, but maybe ask for advice and say, hey, find somebody that's done it and say, what's your experience been with it? What's the good, the bad, and the ugly? Do you think it would work for me? Um, get as much information as you can. Don't assume you're right, and don't assume you know everything. I would actually almost assume you're wrong and operate from the standpoint of 
like ignorance and that way you're more open to learning and there's actually a psychological concept um, called uh, epistemic social tuning where it's been shown that people are mo- more prone <coughs> people are mo- more prone to learn if they come at things with um, an air of curiosity and tell me about that tell me why you think that way rather than a bias of oh I think you're wrong right and you can sort of trick yourself into being curious and part of the benefit of that is it's hard to be curious and angry or curious and biased at the same time right it's hard to exercise a bias if you're curious about why somebody thinks keto is the only way to lose weight which it's not but if somebody is dead set on that, say, I'm kind of curious. Tell me, tell me more about that. Tell me what has, has led you to believe that or has led you to think that way. And then you can gather information, right? Because they can tell you all the benefits of keto. And you can basically make them prove their statement, right? It's kind of a tricky way of doing things, but it's a tricky way of, of letting people um, defend their own statement, right? Without you even having to argue with them. Because they'll make they'll make their arguments for themselves, and they'll make your arguments for you, um, and give you information you need, and then you'll pretty much know if it's going to work for you or not. So let opposing ideas enhance your own position rather than detract. Don't assume you're right. Lastly, number ten. Recognize limitations. There's benefit in recognizing what you're good at, and knowing the areas in which you might be weak. The moment you recognize a limitation as a limitation, you begin to transcend it. I love that phrase. The moment you recognize a limitation as a limitation, you begin to transcend it because you know that it's something you can't do. And you can either let it go or you can work to find ways to to make that happen. You can look for ways to learn how to do it, to do that thing. This can produce generative moments in which you get creative and use skills from other areas in your life as you begin to problem solve, right? So maybe you you <coughs> you decide to set a weight loss goal and you're super organized and super disciplined with like spreadsheets or something like that at work. Um, how can that skill help you in a weight loss goal, right? Tracking calories, weighing in every day, being very disciplined and organized with that. That might be a, a sort of a, a transferable skill, right? Recognize your limitations, recognize what you're not good at, because then you're either going to seek out resources to help you become good at that, or you're going to outsource that and find a coach or find somebody that knows how to do it. Um, Let's say you want to download like a weight loss app and you're not good with technology and you're going to find somebody, hey, have you used this Fitbit app or this, you know, Garmin app or this Samsung app or whatever? And what's the good and the bad, the ugly with it? Um, do you think it's something I would know how to use? I'm, I'm older or I'm just a little bit more, um, have a little bit of an aversion to anything technological. I, I like pen and paper, you know, um, but I really want to try to use this app. Can you, can you teach me how to use it? You might start asking for help. Or you might decide, you know what? I don't know how to do that or I don't want to do that. So I need to find another way around it. I don't want to download the app. I'm going to stick with you know my notebook. Uh, I'm going to go old school, notebook and a pen. So 10 things you can do to start changing your life. Today, tomorrow, wake up at the same time every day. Ask yourself why. Develop a system. Develop goals. Never assume you're above the rules. 
have a daily step goal, sun in the morning, moon at night, avoid fortune telling, don't assume you're right, and recognize limitations. Again, with this being um, the week after 4th of July weekend, um, I just want to encourage everybody, if you overate, you didn't exercise as much, maybe you had a little bit, um, some more calories from alcohol, you know, I did a podcast episode about that. Maybe you did, um, maybe you did really well. Figure out how things went well this weekend, what patterns you noticed, what patterns you noticed if things didn't go so well, right? And yeah, try to do better next time, but don't dwell on it so much. Um, Treat it more like um, a thought experiment or, you know, what went right and what went wrong, but not in the sense that, oh, you did something wrong and you need to beat yourself up about it. Again, just look for patterns, right? We're pattern-seeking creatures. That's what we do as human beings. We look for patterns. Simple ways to improve your life. A lot of the ways you're going to look to improve your life, they're very simple. Sometimes it's things that just need a little bit of uh, tweaking. Sometimes it's things you're already doing. Sometimes it's things you're not doing. I hope uh, everybody can find some health and wellness. I hope everybody can find some uh, some peace and some direction in life. That's, that's sort of my goal with this whole podcast and this blog and this website and my shirts and my coaching practice with... Uh, wellness and weight loss is just to help people find some control in their lives and help people find um, some happiness in different ways. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.